You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. That was the moment where I shared with my wife, and she said, I've been telling you for years it must be tiring being you. And so that's the moment where really I just let myself off the hook a bit and the Mm -hmm. vulnerability started to dial up. I saw a post on LinkedIn a good few months back now, and it prompted me to reach out to my next guest, Paul Walker. In the post, he was sharing a very vulnerable story and it it got me thinking about this whole concept of vulnerability. And I often get asked, you know, yeah, it's, it's all very well to say that vulnerability is important, but how do you actually go about doing it? And I thought, who better to talk about this concept than Paul? Paul and I kind of were a little bit like ships in the night. He, We both worked at Nielsen and he was taking over as the UK and Ireland head when I was actually leaving my role there. And so we never really met in person, So, but we do have these common connections. Paul is now the Chief Commercial Officer at Consumer Intelligence, which is the independent voice of insurance and retail banking, helping businesses see the world through the eyes of the consumer. He's a senior business leader who has a track record of empowering people to thrive as part of a trusting, inclusive, autonomous and accountable workplace culture. Paul consistently builds high-performance, multidisciplinary teams which deliver results across countries and cultures. He has a career which spans over 25 years and he's lived and worked in numerous countries, including Russia and Turkey. And a core component of his success has consisted of people becoming the very best versions of themselves, people whose relationships often continue long after the role. So, We have a really in-depth and open and vulnerable and honest conversation all about vulnerability. I really hope you enjoy today's podcast. As always, I will wrap up at the end with some of the key summary points and we will be talking about it over on LinkedIn. So hop over there if you want to get involved in the conversation. Morning, Paul, and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast. Now, I want to do kind of a brief intro to you in the fact that we worked in the same place, but our paths never crossed. I think you joined in a head of UK and Ireland capacity right around the time that I was leaving. And I just thought that was interesting. And what prompted me to reach out to you in the first place was that I saw a post all about vulnerability that you had shared on LinkedIn, and it really resonated. And it's it's a really important and hot topic at the moment, and I would love to, to chat to you more about that. Do you want to give a brief introduction to listeners about who you are? Sure, and, and look, it's a privilege. Thanks thanks for talking to me. Yeah, so our, our, our ships didn't cross in the night, uh, Aoife. We, I, I remember joining uh, in March, but with a transition because I was living overseas and coming back to the UK. Uh, and I think I first got to uh, a Dublin that summer. So, uh, so yeah, it's a shame that we we, we didn't uh, cross paths, but we have shared history. Um, I was at Nielsen for twenty six years uh, wow. in numerous different roles. Um, I'm now Chief Commercial Officer at Consumer Intelligence. So, Consumer Intelligence, we're an insight agency. 
uh, for the financial services industry. So providing insight that uh, inspires confident decisions with the aim to build consumer trust. Uh, very, very focused compared to my career at uh, Nielsen, which was broad ranging in FMCG, CPG. So a little bit about myself. Um, so I, I'm sat here uh, just south of Oxford in the, in, in the UK. Um, and my family and I have been here now for almost three years. Prior to that, we uh, we had a good 11 years um, traversing most of Europe. So we've lived uh, and I've worked in the Netherlands, uh, in Turkey, um, in Russia and much of Eastern Europe. Um, and then prior to coming back to the UK, uh, five years in Geneva, Switzerland. So uh, it's it's nice to be home in many ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I have kind of a similar journey myself in that I lived abroad for seven years, which included three and a half years in London. And I traveled all around Southeast Asia and I lived in Australia for uh, about two and a half years in total between Perth and Sydney. And I traveled around South America, including Antarctica, on my way back before I got back to Dublin nearly eight years ago now. Um, but yeah, no, I that, that kind of uh, moving around and living abroad, I can absolutely relate to that. Um, so the topic that we're talking about today is vulnerability. And I suppose maybe it's, it's starting with what does vulnerability actually mean to you? Well... <sighs> You know what? I think it's very personal, right? And so this, this conversation should, could go many, many ways. When I think about what it is you do and, and happier at work, it's important to start with oh, only I can make myself happy. Mm. And, and I think that's got a very big connection to um, the choice about vulnerability, um, stating the obvious we're human uh, and we have a, a, a very finite time where we need to make the most of it um, and even more finite in our professional world. And, and so, so for me, vulnerability is, is really all about meaningful relationships. Um, that's really easy with family and friends, I find, um, but but less less easy in a professional capacity and at work and, and and you know maybe we can dig dig into that a little bit because I I've had my own journey uh, about where I've been less comfortable and more comfortable at different times. Um, I, I don't think vulnerability is about you know making friends or or or, or being this role model or, or forcing it. Um, it. It's about opening up so other people can get to know you and you can get to know them and then together you can grow a little bit better. Um, this helping others is a theme. It's probably why I've been on the agency side of my professional life for my whole career. I, I, I like the ups and downs of, of trying to help others. Um, and, and really that's been a, a buzz for me for as long as I can remember, uh, whether it's, you know, I'm not quite sure I'm considered a business leader, but whether it's being in business, whether it's being a captain of a sports team, whether or way back, I, mean, I used to teach karate to kids and I was just a kid. And so um, that, that, that leadership position is not taken for granted. And I think vulnerability has been something I've always had. 
but it's only relatively recently that it's been okay to to talk about it. So, yeah, I'm not sure that's a great answer to your question, but it's so personal. Yeah, no, I think you've touched on quite a few points there. Um, I suppose the benefits of vulnerability being meaningful relationships and how it's easier in a personal context than it is in a work context. So we can maybe dive into that in a bit more detail in a minute. Um, And really the, the definition that came out is opening up so that people can really get to know you and you can get to know them. And I think that's a really, really, it's a really nice way of describing it. Um, And the fact that you've always maybe had it, but, uh, perhaps in the now that it's kind of more talked about it's okay to to share stuff a bit more freely maybe that's it but yeah. I'd love to talk about that journey so if you always felt a sense of vulnerability then how did that evolve over time especially yeah. I suppose in, in, in the work context yes yeah well um I don't think it's always been okay from my perspective to be vulnerable. And I don't think that I'm now sharing because um, social media makes it okay. I don't think social media does make it okay. Mm. I I think it also comes with a little bit of age and a few gray hairs, to be perfectly (laughs) honest. I'm a father of three daughters. Um, They're of an age now that, there is no way that their daddy is invulnerable and perfect, far yeah. from it. Yeah. And I think that helps. Sometimes it's not as much fun as it could be, but uh, um, I think that does help me realize that, uh, I, you know, I need to be grounded. But let me try and kind of chart my own uh, journey. And, and if it helps other people, then oh, great. So, I mean, as, as a kid, I... I have no skeletons in the cupboard and no great story about growing up and having great epiphanies. It's a normal kid, working class background um, in Yorkshire. Um, but I used to get incredibly nervous about things. In fact, I wrote about it um, on, on LinkedIn and uh, maybe that's an example. So I used to get nervous about stuff, but not to the point where it stopped me from doing stuff. This was all in the basement. <laughs> and um, my preparation for doing stuff was part of my routine. Um, so I, I did, I did, I did karate at an early age. I started at the age of six. I finished at the age of um, 18. Um, uh, but whenever it was like a, a grading or a, a big uh, event, uh, I was locked away in my own mind. You know, my parents who, who were great, you know, they, they left me alone cause that's what I wanted, but I needed to work out my own nerves and and, you know there were tears this wasn't just a I'm quietly nervous yeah but but I always did it I always achieved which Mm -hmm. uh, the same with school incredibly you know I had a period where I didn't want to go to school without my preparation and I did okay and um and as as I as I got older I got more comfortable with that Mm -hmm. but then when it came to work and and I think this is something that I wanted to I want to share. I um, I found I was pretty good at connecting with people. Um, so obviously, you don't go straight into your professional career as a people manager. I I spent 
all my time training and wanting to be a journalist. That's what I wanted to be. I was interested in people. But when I got spat out of the system in the early 90s, it wasn't a great place to be. And so uh, I found uh, an affinity with uh, insert, insight and research and, and, and with Nielsen at the age of 21. Um, so I, I was curious. I was curious about people. And I think that level of curiosity um, just helped me relate to clients because I was asking them questions when other people were telling them stuff. But then I started to get positions of increasing responsibility. And, and here's where, when I reflect back, got really interesting because I, uh, I had to be prepared. So I would spend a lot of time on my preparation uh, again, I found myself going through the hierarchy of, of the business pretty well. Um, I was the youngest of this you know, level and the youngest of this level and doing okay. Um, I played rugby. I you know, captained a team that we set up doing okay, but it was all preparation. Now, I've never been a perfectionist, so it's not that I can blame that. It was just about being well-prepared to deliver to what I thought was my optimal performance level. Um, it was only as I became a father way back in 2004 now uh, for the first time, but then a few years, late, few years later where I started to get some feedback um, that that could turn into arrogance, which was really quite shocking for me because yeah. I've always faked confidence. <laughs> so I... I I would always describe myself as, as I'm not a confident person, but I know where to find confidence from. Um, and I, I learned very quickly in my career that if you were not confident, you went to the back of the queue on a lot of things. Okay. And so this confidence building and this about practicing confidence could, could teeter over in, in overconfidence and arrogance. And um, it's feedback that came back from my peers. Um, you know, when you get these work feedbacks, Aoife, where it's like, you know, what are the keep, start, stop? I always I got do. great feedback. But <laughs> I always jumped to the what I should stop line. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Immediately, you know, I, I'm uh, in terms of kind of disprofile, I'm, I'm kind of high D, high I. You know, I, I am task driven and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. want to achieve um, and the feedback came up regularly that I did great stuff, but at my worst, I could be a little bit overconfident. And when right. I used to read this, it used to shock me because, mm. well, because I recognized it and it wasn't me. Yeah. It's not and how you felt on the inside. Would that be fair to say? It's exactly. Projecting on the outside. This exactly. is what external world I'm this confident person because I have to be confident in order to succeed in the role that I'm in in order to be considered for the next level etc right and, and it was all very competitive you know so I am a competitive person um so if I take that into my sport in time I was far from the best rugby player really far from but I would make sure I was the fittest I would tackle the most I would do the job for others and I, I, there's a couple of stories to tell there. So I, when, I, when I played rugby a few years ago, uh, one of the coaches just pulled me to one side and said, hey, Paul, I don't, I don't get this. In training, you're a monster. You know, you're one of the fittest. You, you, you run the game. When it comes to game time, you're a lot quieter. 
you still do some of the jobs really well. Mm. And he hit the nail on the head. I didn't want to mess it up. So I wouldn't yeah. go too far. I wouldn't expose myself. Yeah. So we can dig into that. And, and um, I was lucky enough with my last company to be involved in quite a few leadership programs, heavy investment in leadership at the time of Nielsen. Um, and so I went on a program with some peers, amazing peers, and uh, some people far better than me. And two things, one is I made a joke at the start of the program. We were all sat in these little kind of American high school desks. And I just made a joke because if you know the film Top Gun, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Remember <laughs> that scene? Yeah, me too. I love it, right? <laughs> so remember that scene and, and Maverick's twiddling his pen. Oh, and yeah. he's looking around and, he, and it, someone says, what, what's going on? And, and I did the same. I was just, I was joking. And, and I just went, I'm just trying to work out who's the best. And, <laughs> and I think half the room found it hilarious. So that was good yeah. for my ego. But half yeah. the room just thought I was an idiot. Yeah, and I didn't yeah, mean yeah. for that. It was a yeah. joke. And in that very same program, we were lucky enough to be with Stanford faculty and we got a, a coach for a period. And this coach, I'm always keen to be coached. I'm always keen to learn. And um, he said to me, we, un we unpicked a few things. And then one session he said, uh, let's talk about masks. And I was like, Why? He said, but let's, let's talk about it. And, and, and he described the situation and he said, look, you know, this feeling to be the best, to be prepared and, and of, of what you do and your, you know, your career tells me that. Um, tell, tell me about it. And I just stopped and I said, his name's Michael. Great, great guy. He's, on, he's kind of West Coast American. And he, he just, I just said to Michael, doesn't everyone do that? And he just went, no. <laughs> and he said, I think it's exhausting being you, Paul. Okay. That was the moment. That was the moment where I, I, I went home. I had a long flight home, and I think I was living in, I can't remember where I was living. It was maybe Moscow, maybe, uh, maybe in Switzerland. Uh, and I went home, and um, I shared with, with, with my wife. And uh, she said, I've been telling you for years it must be tiring being you. And so that's the moment where really I just let myself off the hook a bit, and the mm -hmm. vulnerability started to dial up. It's really fascinating how that happened. And it kind of, it, it, it took someone else to call it out for you. And, and this use of humour then was probably part of that mask. You're diffusing a situation where you feel uncomfortable by using humour or something like that. Yeah. So what, what sort of happened next? How did that evolve afterwards? Um, around that time, and, and I don't think this is a coincidence, around that time I started reading um, around Stoic philosophy. Um, and, and I'm not a, you know, an expert, but, um, um, Marcus Aurelius meditations is my favorite book. It hasn't always been, but I have it next to my bed. I have a copy next to the toilet and I have a copy downstairs and I read it. And I must've read that book about seven times now. And so what, what that led me to do is, is stay very grounded and practice so interestingly, I took my intense preparation and applied it to being less prepared, which is, which is crazy, <laughs> right? But, um, but that helped me because um, um, some of the exercises that, 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 that Michael and others and I'd read about, um, 
uh, shared with me was about just controlling the controllables and 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 being okay not to be as prepared. So there was a couple of times. Uh, there was one time where I, we had a, a new global leader who was meeting, and, and I let it ride, and it was fine. Nothing bad happened. You know, we we kicked on, and so that got sequentially greater and greater to the point where I just felt much more benefit not only for myself, but for those around me of, of being more myself, if, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so there are lots of stories that, that I can share about where vulnerability, although it wasn't planned vulnerability, just were memorable highlights rather than the, yes, I nailed that or I did the best or I got that promotion. So those stories overtook the other stories, which I'm really comfortable with now. So yeah. um, that's how it, it progressed. And it progressed, you know, I moved companies um, at the beginning of this year, um, very vulnerable. I mean, I knew the culture of my past company and the people very, very well. Um, but you don't have a choice but to be vulnerable um, mm. in a new company. And I'm okay with that, you know, really okay. So, yeah, I now I'm a lot more aware of myself, but also a lot more aware of others. Yeah. Um, I don't overshare though. That's still, still. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, that's another kind of interesting area, I suppose. But first I'd love to explore what was the reaction of other people? Like, did you have any feedback from other people, be they peers or direct reports about this kind of change? Like was, was it that sudden of a change or was it just you evolving and, and being able to be more of yourself? Um, it wasn't sudden. You know, I didn't, you know, it, it wasn't like suddenly I'd read a business book and suddenly came to, to work the next day different. It was because it has to be authentic, right? Yeah. So I was, I was working on stuff myself to be better. So yeah. it, was, it was sequential. Um, I think a good test of it, and, and people may call me out um, and, and say I read this wrong, was when I came back to the UK after being years away, this was my, this was the first place I joined, you know, this was the yeah. business and I was coming back as the managing director of UK and Ireland. I was thrilled. You know, yeah. I felt like the, like I just got the golden ticket in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Absolutely, and, yeah. um, and instead of being, uh, or, or preparing to be this big leader, I, I, I was different. I, I recognize it. And I don't know whether other people will know because they hadn't seen that journey, but I was surrounded by um, a leadership team who, who I just respected. You know, we were peers and that's what, how I hoped that I came across. I think years before I was required to buy the business, but also myself to, to really pay set and set the agenda. And I felt a lot less pressure to do that because I was surrounded by people who I really enjoyed working with who were smarter than me in many cases, probably all cases. And so that was very different for me. Um, and that continues today, I hope. Yeah, brilliant. Now, I love that approach. And <clears throat> I'd love to know if, if you have any thoughts, if someone is thinking of, I suppose, going on to that type of journey like wh where or how do you get started if you want to feel like you want to remove the mask if you want to be a bit more vulnerable at work like how would you advise someone to start doing that mm. i think people have to feel 
safe. You know, at, at the same time, I've worked with and, and experienced kind of people with, with proper mental health challenges and issues. I mean, we all have our own mental health uh, issues. I, I do. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, you've got to feel safe and it starts with yourself. It starts with, I mean, one of the, the best things I read was uh, I had a period where I was reading The Chimp Paradox, if you know that book, I and, do, yeah. and, Vic, and Victor Frankl's at the same time, which blew my mind. And um, (laughs) I think you've got to feel safe in yourself. And and, and it's it's that inner confidence to say that, okay, I'm going to pick, pick a moment, pick a series of events where I'm going to prepare a bit less, or I'm going to be open, deliberately open. And, and we are habitual animals. And that, that habit, well, I found that that habit just grew and grew and then I, you know, I don't feel like I'm able to give advice to others, but mm. I, I was lucky enough to be in a leadership position. So I think I felt a huge responsibility for others. You yeah. know, if if the business I'm a leader of doesn't succeed, that affects people. Yeah. Now, our shared company, my last company, got to the point where it was near, it was almost all about performance and, and kind of clients and people became a long way behind. I'm in a very different situation now where people are put first. I always put people first. Yeah. And I was responsible for people's rent and mortgages and children and, and social life. That's how I felt it. So I felt that what would I want from other people? So, you know, if it's if if someone there is thinking, how do I be, let's say, more vulnerable, more authentic? It's not about being more anything. It's about just being yourself a bit. Yeah. yeah. And so you're not you're not adding. You're you're kind of just taking away a few fences between you and yeah. whatever it is you're doing. There's way too much chest beating going on out there. I I see it, especially from middle-aged white men, right? <laughs> I and and it and it's unproductive. It doesn't yeah. help. And I think people, I think people should just care a bit less about how they are perceived yeah. and not worry because at the end of the day, you're just good enough as you are. And, and that, that takes, that takes practice. I think if, if you're in a, especially if you're in a place where you feel like you've got to be seen as something else, Aoife, mm. um, stripping away rather than adding. I really like that. And you said something earlier, which is, Kind of contrary. So we often talk about creating a psychologically safe environment at work. So it's okay for people to be themselves. But something in particular that you said was being safe in yourself. And I picked up on that and I really, really like that. So it's it's allowing that within yourself. It's 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 exactly like you say. So stripping away all of those masks and feeling free to be able to be yourself rather than hiding behind. So it's not mm-hmm. adding something to the burden. It's actually taking stuff away. And it's, 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 there's less pressure. And going back to what you had said earlier about what your coach said, like it must be exhausting being you. And so this takes a little bit of the pressure off. So I really like that. It's it's not focusing on necessarily creating this safe environment at work, but feeling safe in yourself to be able to do that. And I think as a leader, it's important to do that and to recognize that in ourselves. And 
And what should come from that is creating a safe space for other people to be themselves as well. So it's kind of, it strips back, how do we create this psychologically safe environment at work? And that's for people who are in leadership positions to, to be safe, to feel safe with themselves and to create that environment for other people. Ah, I think you make a great point. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a leader, you don't have to be the leader, you know, it's not about the CEO, but as a, as a, as a leader of other people and it's whether you're uh, uh, seen as a role model or whether you've actually got people management responsibilities. Um, if you're not yourself, people know. Yeah. Going back to the feedback that I got, people called it out. They know. And, um, and if you're not yourself, then you cannot expect others to be the same. You know, the, yeah. the, the more senior you get, I, I've said this all the time, the more senior you get, the funnier your jokes get. You know, the, the more timely people are in turning up for your meetings. And that's all false, right? But at the same time, as a leader, you are a buffer to what is going on out there uh, for your team. Uh, and you said something that I want to pick up on about contradicting myself. I am full of contradictions. I, I do not operate this way. I don't spring out of bed at 4.30 and meditate and, you know, <laughs> and take cold showers every day and do 10Ks every day. I'm full of contradictions. At my best, I can operate like this and I yeah. can be grounded and, and stoic at my worst. I still want to show up. I still want to be the best I can be. I hope yeah. that that is more about for others rather than, you know, for myself, but it does yeah. start with yourself. And I think being content with yourself, no matter what is probably the, the Nirvana, right? I am far from there. Right. Um, I think we're all our biggest, worst critics, right? Yeah, so, totally. um, uh, when I joined consumer intelligence, um, the CEO founder, Ian, a great individual and a big part of me joining, you know, we have a, a very good uh, series of, uh, of sessions to un uncover how you work. And he asked me, um, how do you want feedback? How, you know, how do you want that? And I said, be absolutely assured if you've got constructive negative feedback for me, I've already been there. I, I am my my own worst <laughs> critic and so yeah. it helps you know, sharing that helps learning about each other with 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 a boss and, and how you can work that out so uh, yeah. that was a good process to do as well yeah yeah that's a that's a really great insight as well that like because we all I think we all are our own worst critics and to kind of to assure someone that well whatever you're thinking I've probably been there already myself so it's not going to be anything new to me it's just something that you've identified as well yeah. as something that I need to work on so yeah really yeah. really really interesting yeah so it's it's about bringing this sense of vulnerability into the workplace and something interesting you said there as well Paul about how how we work together is kind of slight aside, but it's something I'm really interested in is how people work effectively together and something that I, I've been working on for a while, or at least I've said I've been working on it for a while. I looked at it in January, haven't had a chance to go back to it yet, but but it's a it's a it's essentially a how to work with me guide. So it's mm. for an individual to create for themselves, to understand mm. how they work and how 
um, what motivates them, what maybe triggers them and something that they can use as a tool to share with their managers, with their peers in order to help understand each other better and how they work. So I really like that you kind of facilitated that conversation and and said that it's kind of it's an ongoing process. It's not just yeah. like, oh, here's everything about me. It's it's more of an ongoing conversation that you're having. So I really, really like that approach. Yeah. And, and, and you know, just to, to add to that, it's my opinion is that starts with the manager. It's the ma- mm. management as management's got mixed up with leadership, but management yeah. is a profession. And, you know, what, it's probably a bit of a cliche, but from a management perspective, we need to treat people how they want to, to be treated. You know, it used to say, oh, treat people how you would want to be treated. No, yeah, it's yeah. not the case. It's, it's like they're different to you. That has come yeah. up a lot in this last year. It's really funny. It's It, it seems to be popping up everywhere. Um, but, yeah, you're so right. Like, you, you like, we were brought up being told treat people how you would like to yeah. be treated. And I was like, no, you treat people how they would like to be treated and the focus yeah. is very much on the other person. Yeah. So, so whereas I would say, and again, full of, tri- full of contradictions, uh, where uh, that, that period of, of, of my leadership uh, career, I would say I was very much a, a chameleon. I would adapt to the situation and make sure the best self is put forward. Mm. How I've tried to change it is now is, is almost see others as the chameleon and, and try and kind of tap into what it is they're doing. So that's simply by getting to know them really well, you know, one-on-ones. It's amazing how many people don't have one-on-ones with their team. It's crazy, right? One-on-ones weekly, you know, having feedback, giving them responsibility, watching them succeed and fail and helping them and being there for them. Um, I think a lot of people would get, better relationships and better results if, if they if they did that. Um, mm. you, you mentioned something earlier about ad- advice, and again, I'm loath to be a, a, advising, but one of the things that I found very helpful is, it's going to sound odd, is now I talk and write like me rather than like someone I think should talk and write like in my position. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, Truth is a big word at the moment, you know, um, whether it's um, around inclusivity or whether it's around the media, but from a, from a business perspective, telling the truth is still something that I find odd that people have to debate. Now, there are some things that you may know information and you can't tell people at that time. That's a professional organization. That's fine, right? Mm-hmm. But you can still say, yeah, I know, but I can't tell you right now. Because, yeah. you know, there are things that's confidential or yeah. that's okay. Yeah. I see so many people skirt around that, throwing jargon, kind of management yeah. phrases. <laughs> and and it, it, now it, it sounds just horrendous. And so telling that truth and avoiding all that jargon is yeah. just, it's got to be the way forward and do that with, with you at the centre, your, your purpose at the centre. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. For me, it's what comes through from that is this idea of transparency. So listen, I do have the answers, but I can't share anything with you right now. And to me, that builds much better trust rather than leaving it all to the gossip that's going on. You're like, oh, he must know something or and he's not right. telling us anything and, you know, the behind closed doors stuff. Um, right. 
something that we we sort of began to touch on, or at least we we mentioned, but we said we would come back to later, is this idea of um, the I suppose the the boundary between being professional and showing a level of vulnerability. Mm. Any thoughts to share around that? And what does that look like for, for people who are trying to navigate this? You know, I want to remove the mask. I want to be a bit more vulnerable. Yeah. How do I yeah. do that without completely exposing myself? I think, I think we see this play out on a day-to-day basis on LinkedIn. I really do. And, and I think uh, over oversharing is a really personal thing. So mm. I, I can't, judge others because what's oversharing for me may not be for you yeah and so you know i think it within the realms of 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 ethics and legality i think it is a very very broad spectrum right Mm. so i tend not to um be specific about or share pictures of my family um in a professional realm It, it, it doesn't mean that that's not important to me. Um, it, it's hugely important to me. And I've seen other people do it with great effect. Whereas I will talk very openly about where, you know, I think one of my LinkedIn posts was about sitting on the toilet for half an hour before I did anything. You know, that's probably oversharing, right? <laughs> um, and, and so for me, I would say, I wouldn't like to see the worry of oversharing to be a barrier. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think your audience will tell you that. And and when I say audience, it could be the people in your peer group or the people in your organization or social media. Um, And if you're comfortable with what you're sharing and a proportion of your community or society thinks you're oversharing, Maybe that's not your community. Mm. You know, I have some very good contacts who are turning into friends who um, who really share exactly how they are with their family and they are personally and their struggles uh, on LinkedIn. And, and I applaud them. You know, I, I, I am only 10% of what they are. Um, I, would, I would rather that than the... Um, the leader who talks about getting up at 4.30 on the morning and doing yoga and smashing their target by 400% and yeah. posting a picture of their Porsche. I mean, it's just as unreal, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's sharing. Exaggeration. <laughs> Share, yeah, who is this person? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're, they're out there. <laughs> um, but it's to me what you're saying it's it's more kind of about a fit or a match with the audience that you're trying to reach um, and it's about sharing not only the good stuff like the oh I get up every day at 4.30 but when you're not able to get up at 4.30 that you're sharing that in a vulnerable way and saying listen I'm not having a great day yeah. because of X, Y and Z and feeling safe in yourself to be able to say that Um without worry, without judgment from other people. One thing I know Brené Brown talks about this an awful lot and and she was quoted last week in, um, uh, or it might have even been a couple of weeks ago now, about this, what's what's the border, I suppose, between being, between oversharing, if if that's what we want to call it, versus vulnerability. And she, she talks about boundaries. So it's setting clear boundaries. And I think for each person, going back to what you said, for each person, that boundary is going to be slightly different. And 
for each person that's going to be um they need to clearly define that for themselves like what is it that i want to do here what is it that i want to share you know you're not you're not absolutely breaking down and, and sharing everything maybe um about what's going on in your personal life in a work context in a in a public forum but you might share it with a manager for example or you might share it with one of your peers or you might share it in a constructive way in a in a kind of more of an open forum saying listen I I was going through this and um, I'm through the other side now so I just want to let you know that it's okay and if anyone else is feeling that way I'm you know my door is open you can come and speak to me about it or something like that. Yeah, I think you say it beautifully. Yeah, I, you know, if I can relate to my experiences, I, uh, I think to be vulnerable, it does take thought and preparation, right? It's, an, it's, an, it should not be an ad lib, ad hoc thing. Um, uh, I remember um, one of my past uh, managers sharing the the analogy of the um, of the airline pilot with with me and saying look particularly if you're responsible for others the last thing you want to see if you board that plane it's probably a very strange story now we haven't been on a plane for for, for, for yeah years, yeah so. um, what's a plane <laughs> yeah exactly if, if, you, if you get on a plane you the last thing you want to see is being greeted by uh, the pilot and and you know she or he's saying Oh, I've had a terrible morning. I'm not very confident. I'm not very good at this. And, you know, even yeah. if that's going through their head, you know, you kind of don't need that. You, you, you yes. that that yes. situational. You need this person knows what they're doing. They've got the professional competence. Yeah, and that doesn't take away from that. There's a human in front of you. And yeah. So uh, as I've got more senior, um, it hasn't been a case that I will. Maybe there's a town hall. Um, and, and, you know, the town halls at, at Nielsen that I used to run were big. You know, there were hundreds of people. Yeah. And um, I, I might have felt a little bit uncertain about something, but that's not the moment, right? But equally, um, if we have a session where we are sharing that it's okay not to be okay, and, and, and my God, this last 12 months has proven that that, mm. that is the case. Yeah. Um, then it's absolutely okay to share your personal stories because you want other people to feel that not only are you in control of the things that will help them pay their mortgage and pay their bills, but you're also a human and you're accessible and they're a little bit like you. And, you know, we've got to relate to each other that way. Um, yeah, it's it, it is situational. It takes thought and preparation, and yeah. and, it, and and very personal. Yeah, just a note that I put down there is that it, what I'm reading from what you're saying is that that it's intentional. So you you said out the with the intention of doing it, and I love this idea of it being situational as well. So yeah. Yeah. when you're boarding the plane, exactly like you say, you're not you don't want to create fear and panic in the people who are boarding the plane with you when you're supposed to be driving the plane but equally when you have a situation where you're talking about how it's okay especially in the current situation with the global pandemic that you create that safe space for other people to share their own experiences and their own vulnerabilities as well yeah and i think that's reflective of my journey i'm still not 100 comfortable with sharing myself you know I, there are things that are kept for for me and my family or uh, the moments where I'm silently 
battling with with demons, uh, which happens. Yeah. Um, but I don't want anyone to confuse intentional with false. Yes. I, yeah. I think that intention has to come from a, a good place yeah. uh, and a place that helps others grow. Um, that that's that. If you get into the realms of trying to be intentional and false, people will work you out. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so. I think people can see right through that. Um. So great to have you on the podcast today, Paul. Is there anything else that you'd like to share around your journey or vulnerability specifically? Um. I guess for me, uh, it. As I think about myself, it's all from a central point of seeing others grow, you know, so that, that would be my conclusion. Um, that's what makes me happier at work, to, to use your podcast. That's what I gave from. <laughs> and uh, where, where it's come from has probably traversed from just making other people happier with me so I get a return to actually genuinely being happier with me so I can make others grow and, and be happy yeah. Yeah. so that that like would this. be my my kind of unprepared sign off <laughs> <laughs> well you you beat me because the the question i do normally ask people is what makes you happier at work but you've beaten me to that question oh, I'm sorry. in a really nice way though um so thank you thank you so much for that and thank you so much for your time today if people want to reach out and connect with you uh what is the best way that they can do that linkedin look i i i i think Paul Walker and, and, and Taggy, the consumer intelligence or Nielsen find me. Um, yeah. I, I do engage heavily on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, I'm a bit more sporadic. Uh, I don't have any fancy websites or anything. So I'm a, I'm a simple human being. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today. I really, really enjoyed that chat. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. You know, I, I, I feel like I've been dug into a little bit, um, but if it helps someone, and then ah, that's perfect. I'd love it. So, and I'd love to hear from you. A bit vulnerable after that. Yeah, I'm going to go have a coffee. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks, Aoife. What a conversation. I would love if you joined in with your thoughts, with your comments, with your questions over on LinkedIn. You will find the links in the show notes or search for me, Aoife O'Brien. That's A-O-I-F-E. And I have to always spell my name for anyone who is not from Ireland. It's a very common name in Ireland, but not so much outside. I'm going to do a recap now of some of the things that have come up during the conversation with Paul. So we started by talking about vulnerability and what it actually is. What does it mean? And it's really about this idea, like it's so personal to each individual and this idea that only I can make myself happy and to be vulnerable is to be human. This idea that we have a finite time here and it's about making the most of it and making the most of it means means building meaningful relationships. And that can be easy when it comes to family and friends. But what about in the workspace? How do we actually go about building relationships, meaningful relationships at work? It's about opening up so people can really get to know you and taking responsibility as well to help others to open up to you and um, and, and to be vulnerable as well. It hasn't always been OK to be vulnerable. And one of these ideas is that age makes it OK to be vulnerable. I'd love to get your, your thoughts on that. As we get older, maybe we care less ab- about what other people think. 
it can be really nerve wracking and you can feel really nervous about being vulnerable at work. But it, in Paul's case, he didn't, he was feeling nervous, but he, he didn't let it stop him. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. And he's always been good at connecting with other people. He approaches things with a curious mindset. And I love this. I've heard this so many times recently. And I really like this concept of, of just being curious about things, you know, going in with a questioning mind. In his own case, he always felt like he had to be prepared. You know, there was this hierarchy in the business and he he always faked confidence, but that came across as being really arrogant. And the, the perception within the business that if you're not confident, you go to the back of the queue. So if he wanted to be promoted through the business, it was about being really well prepared, faking that level of confidence. But actually, it was perceived by others in a very, very different way. He was kind of outed almost as this, having this mask. He wanted to always be the best and to be prepared. And then his coach commented that it's exhausting being you or it's exhausting being me. Um, So following on from that, then he let himself a little bit off the hook. He always wanted to be able to control the controllables, but he decided that he was going to prepare less. And that allowed space for him to be more of himself. And feeling this, having this feeling of being safe. And it always starts with yourself. So when you feel safe in yourself, then it allows other people to feel safe around you and it creates a safe environment. He decided that he was going to prepare a bit less and be a bit more open. He always has in mind that it's a people first. And as time went by, he cared less and less about how we are perceived. And I think that's a common thing that as we get older, we care less about what other people think of us and we perceive ourselves to be good enough just as we are. He spoke about this idea of stripping away rather than adding. So adding vulnerability as just this is just one more thing that I need to add to my list of things that I need to do or need to be. But it's not about that. It's about taking away the masks. So stripping things back and it's one less thing that you need to worry about. I really liked that concept. He mentioned that leaders need to be the role models within the businesses. And I totally agree with this. I think it really starts from the top with leaders being free to be themselves, being free to be vulnerable. And if you're not yourself, people know. And you can't expect others to be themselves if you are not being yourself. He also mentioned, I really liked this as well, that he himself is full of contradictions. I can totally relate to that as well. On the one hand, I'll say this. On the other hand, I'll do that. And I think that's just part of being human as well. Over time, then, he also felt the freedom to just be himself. And in in his words, it's about talking and writing like me. So when you speak and when you write, that he's writing, not pretending to be someone else, not writing as he thinks that other people perceive him or other other people think he should be, but really feeling like it's just him. We spoke about the idea of transparency, which I also think is really, really important. And kind of towards the end, we spoke about this concept of oversharing and and where that boundary lies. And Brené Brown has a really great idea around this. And it is is about setting those clear boundaries around what you share. And vulnerability without boundaries 
is not vulnerability. And I think that's that kind of sums it up. So it's having clear boundaries about, about what you share versus what you don't share, but still being able to be yourself and to be transparent. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie.